Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Okay, well, this is the title. You follow me, it's not me, okay? <laughs> not me. <laughs> Follow Jesus, okay? Um, so, you know, it, in all walks of life, everybody is following something or someone. Um, some people follow their family heritage, what their parents used to do. They go into their um, parents' firms and just continue it and that the firm tends to then become the be all and end all, you know. Um some people follow a philosophy of life, like a golden rule. A golden rule of treat others the way you would be want to be treated, which sounds great. In itself it sounds a good principle, but without anything to back it up, what does it actually mean? Some follow their own intuition, drawing from a salad bar of philosophy, (laughs) religion, friends and family. But they do whatever they feel is right to do. Right? So, what about you? What do you do? Um, Do you follow your people, the people you have on Twitter and Facebook? Do you follow what the latest trend is, fashion-wise, possessions-wise, you know, those sort of things? Um, So, no, hopefully we don't. Some people dedicate their lives to following Christ. We don't go into the next one. Here's a a picture of a pretty old um, sort of depiction of people who the, the saints who follow Christ and again the saints who follow Christ what do we how do we recognise that as the saints yeah in, in a lot of ancient uh, old paintings yeah we knew that it was a, a good person because they had a halo on, yeah? It used to bug me when I grew up. I thought, well, what on earth is that, you know? People used to say, you need to polish your halo. You know, your goodness, you know, make it shine. What is it? Um, hopefully come on to that later. So, yeah. Right, so we have a quote from um, just a goalkeeper. Um, the most important thing in my life is Jesus Christ. He's more important to me than winning, losing, or whether I'm playing or not. Everything else is just a bonus. In such a, in such a money-driven yes. profession, you know, and you, all the time you see, you just look at football, and, and the word that comes to mind is greed, you know. That's his his statement. Okay, next one. Right, so, okay, let's look at something that's more sort of historic. (laughs) Right? 
uh, Ignatius, Saint Ignatius, take Lord and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding and my entire will, all that I have and possess. Thou hast given it to me, to thee Lord I return it, all is thine, dispose of it wholly according to thy will, give me thy love and thy grace, this is sufficient for me. I mean that's that's quite powerful. Next one. William Carey's considered the fact the sort of the father of modern mission, missionaries. Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Now this is quite a, a new one. Um, recently, the Pope. Um, made a list, uh, sort of gave out a list of all um, priests that he was going to to make cardinals, and one of them was this priest, Father Simoni, from Albania. And uh, his father, uh, Father um, Simoni, has um, quite a uh, quite a history, sort of a rich sort of history, but not a very nice history. Okay. <laughs> He's still living today. He's eighty-one, um, and I've got. I can. Albania was one. Is one of, used to be one of the most closed countries in the world. Okay, and it took up communism, and it basically wanted to rid the country of all religion. Okay. So Father Simone um, became a priest. Well, was training to become a priest in 1944, when the um, communist regime came into power. Um, the regime sought to eliminate the faith, and clergy were arrested, tortured, and killed, and lay people for seven, uh, seven straight years. That was happening in Albania. Um, some of those who were killed and uh, shouted, Long live Christ the King, as they were shot. Yeah. Yeah. In 1948, the con- communists shot and killed Father Simone's Franciscan superiors, but he continued his studies in secret and was later ordained priest. Four years later, the regime um, gathered, basically took them um, and... The only though the only ones that survived distanced themselves from the Pope, yeah. Um, but Father Simone and his brother priest refused. So he was conducting mass on Christmas Eve. Um, he was arrested and was sentenced to death. Um, he was detained, and during the interrogation, they told him he would be hanged as an enemy because he told the people we will all die for Christ if necessary. He was tortured but said the Lord wanted to keep uh, me to keep living. So divine providence, he said, willed that my death sentence not be carried out right away. So he brought me to another prisoner um, and uh, in order for this other prisoner to spy on Father Simone. And 
I responded in any way, any way that Christ had taught us to love our enemies and to forgive them, and that what we should do should strive to seek the good of the people. Those words reached the ears of the dictator, and a few days later, he was released. Um, he was put into forced labour instead, during which time he celebrated mass, heard confessions, and distributed communion in secret. He was only released when the communist regime fell and freedom of religion was recognised. He said, The Lord has helped me to serve so many peoples and to reconcile many, driving out hatred and the devil from the hearts of men. I mean, if we, we sort of say we're going to serve Christ, we haven't had that experience of someone, of that persecution. Yeah. And to see those around you who are equally devoted to Christ and their lives are taken. But you just then, you know, you're tortured, you somehow escape execution, but you still go on to preach of God's love. It's amazing. It is. I mean, say, yes, you know, he's Catholic, it doesn't matter. He knows the love of God. And he's preaching the love of God. Yeah. So, so that's Father Simone. Is there another one after that? Yeah, Alright, there we go. So, <coughs> other people that have dedicated their lives to God. Um, Gladys Mary Alwood uh, in Yangchen, China. Uh, you've probably seen—I don't know—you might have seen the film *The Inn of the Eight Happinesses*, where she goes out to China as a missionary. She wasn't accepted by the China mission, the society who was sending people to China. She wasn't accepted by them because she wasn't educated enough, and they would—they they said you won't be able to learn Chinese. You won't be able to do this. She then she was working as a parlour maid, so not. She wasn't rich. She saved her money to get a train, the Trans-Siberian Railway, across. Right? It was quite convoluted. She was... Um, the, the Russians uh, sort of tried to get rid of her and things. Anyway, she came round via Japan into China to meet up with this lady who was in... Uh, this missionary who was in um, Yangchen. And they set up there. And she was responsible, she was um, employed by the Chinese government to, uh, as a foot inspector. That's what, you know, the film was about. She sort of set up orphanages around, obviously for, in those days, the Chinese only had, were allowed one child. They were abandoning children in the roads and things like that. But she worked, she became a Chinese citizen. She worked with China to try and change perceptions and things like that. But then uh, Japanese, um, the Japanese rule came in and they had, she had to flee. And uh, she fled with 100 children walking to a different area. What? what was her name? Um, Gladys Mary Alwood. So, you know... It, it, she, she also ran into difficulty with other missionaries out there because missionaries said that they had to be apolitical. Yeah, and, and not. But she felt that 
in w- working with the, yeah. the, the, the authorities at the time. That was the way she was able to reach people. Um, another person, um, George Muller of Bristol, he wasn't a native British, he was born in Germany, as the name suggests. But he lived in Bristol. But he basically ran orphanages there and did a lot of, you know, built, built orphanages, ran orphanages and other things. He didn't ask anyone for money. He said that if God wanted him to do it, God would, God would supply you know, and he said one. Uh, so we that one day he was. They were sitting down to breakfast. The, the author, he was sitting down to breakfast. All the children and everything. They had nothing to feed them. Outside on the road, a cart carrying bread and milk and things. But you know, it, it, it crashed or whatever broke, and so the, the person who was driving it just brought all the food into them. You know, it—it's amazing. Sometimes we like to say what we're doing for Christ, you know. And this 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 chap was just sort of saying, "No, I'm not asking for money because if God wants me to do it, God is my supplier." Amazing. So we got some amazing. I mean, these are only just scratching the surface. <laughs> of people that have served God and we don't know other people yeah. we, there are hun- thousands millions of people out there who have walked with Christ through their lives right history doesn't record them but the book of life does and they are there sitting with, with God in peace, relaxation, enjoyment, everything, in the fullness of what God has for them because of their courageous walk with God, some of them. Some people don't have necessarily that persecution, that trial, but they live a prayerful, meditative life. And as Steve says, and I, I love the way Steve said, all you have to do is to love the person in front of you. And that's all Christ wants us to do. Sometimes he will put that person in front of us. Sometimes he will direct us to that person. And the only way we're going to yes. know that is to be open to him. Yeah. Right. So, following Jesus, I'm sorry if I ramble on and sort of uh, go all over the place. Right, so some, uh, some quotes, right? So John 1, 1 John 5-7 to God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do, do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we shall have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. And In John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And um, 
one thing that spoke to me a little while ago when I was sort of thinking about halos and everything and talked about the glory of God and God's glory um, if I find this a quote uh, Isaiah 42 8 says I am the Lord that is my name my glory I give to no other nor my praise to craved idols right and he doesn't so he doesn't give us his he doesn't give his glory but as we walk with Christ we walk in God's glory right and to me now we go back to those pictures of the saints and the halo is that the way they just were able to say they were walking in God's glory it's not our halo we don't take it off and shine it and a few few months ago Mother Teresa was canonised and I remember on uh, they had uh, people speaking on, uh, you know, interviewing people on the news, and uh, you know, both for and you know, yeah. some people saying you know they shouldn't be doing this because you know she wasn't perfect, you know, she, why you know why are we doing this? She used to go and sort of meet up with people who were businessmen, who are rich businessmen. They, she, she used to sort of, you know. M- Bring those people, meet with those and meet with all the unclean people. You know, why should she be I'm sort of thinking, well, what you're saying is just what Christ would have done, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, um, but anyway, and then another lady said, well, when Mother Teresa ca- came into the room, you didn't have to speak to her. There was, she came in and there was, it was as if there was a light around her. And I thought, well... The glory of God. You know? And all these people were trying to sort of be negative, and I was just saying, you're just, you're just making a case for me. <laughs> and they're trying to sort of, sort of do the opposite. You know? So, um, we've got a lot, of, a lot of people to look up to, and, uh, you know. One thing we've got to realise is that, yes, they said that Mother Teresa isn't perfect. Because she's not Christ. She's walking with Christ. So, uh, <coughs> yeah. So, so it doesn't, just because we're not perfect, doesn't preclude us from taking that step. Okay? So the, Pha- the Pharisees, um, the, relig- the Jewish leaders of the day, were enraged when they heard Jesus' testimony about being the light. Um, and they refused to believe that he was the son of God, the light of the world. They believed they were already following the light because their light was to live righteously and to follow the law of Moses. Right? But their light, I believe, is, is the light of their own self-importance, their pride. I can follow the laws of Moses, okay? 
And then I, I think, what, hap- what would happen if the tabloid press were around in those days? You know, <laughs> secret filming <laughs> and everything. Would they come out and say, oh, but you didn't do this at home, you know? You know, there'd be a lot of Pharisees tumbling. But, <laughs> but God isn't interested in all of that. He's just, no, he, you know, it doesn't matter. Your self-importance is nothing, you know? But we can fall into the same traps. If we're afraid to acknowledge our weaknesses, our errors and our sins, if we sort of try and gloss over them and say, it's all right, I'm I'm doing all right, we can fall into similar traps. Okay, we can acknowledge, we're sort of saying, you know, I I have some of the light myself. Um, so, other Jews who were listening to Jesus did what uh, did believe him. Right to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, "If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." That's John eight thirty one to thirty two. So this tells us that to walk with Jesus, we need to walk in His teaching. Abide in God's word. Okay? That's where we'll find the truth. Okay? But because because we're reading God's word, yes, we can read the words and we can be intellectually challenged and say, yes, they're truth. But we've got to... We've got to take that in. We've got to take and sort of experience the truth, right? The truth that sets us free is only when we work work in that. So, when we're going out to work, is the light of life your work? Are your thoughts, if I really work hard and please people, I will then be a success? I mean, you know, we've all, on the, you know, on our work scale, you know, we're here, we imagine ourselves, well, you know, the boss isn't doing such a brilliant job. I know if I was up there, I would be able to run the place so much better, you know, and our desires can be to get there, Okay. And that can influence how we, how we uh, progress. There is a teacher that I, I know who gaily admits right, that he got a position at a school. And at his previous school, there were t- he had the same initials as someone else. And... The head at that school used to um, basically ask him if he'd done this work and everything. And he'd gaily admit that he'd done it, even if he, that he knew that it was the other person. You know? But to him, it enabled him to then go on. He's the, he got a glowing reference from the head at his last school. And he's got a position somewhere else. And he admits that he'll do, basically he was doing anything to get himself up that ladder. Right? 
that's, that's, that, in some respects, that's an extreme case. But we can be doing things very similar. So, are we trying to be chameleons? Trying to change our appearance to, to be what others expect us to be? So that we then look good, we're, we're recognised well in their eyes to move on. God wants to be, us to be real. We can, only, we can only influence people, or not influence, we can only pass Jesus to somebody else if we ourselves are true. If we stand in the truth, right? Only then can God's light come across. So, we're asked to be imitators. Imitators of Christ. And, uh, you know, it's little ones. When you have little ones. And it can be a joyous, joyous thing when they come up to you. And they do something or say something and you think, oh, that's me. <laughs> you know, that's me, I said that. <laughs> you know. And they do things, and they like to do things. They like to mimic you. I see boys, you know, doing what their dad does, you know, trying to mimic them. And, yes, we've got to be like that with our Father in heaven. We've got to be those children who mimic or want to mimic. And if we recognise that fact, actually, with our little children, we, we can be a bit more wary, because sometimes they come to us and they say something and we think, oh my goodness, where did they get that from? You know, we've been letting them watch television, we haven't really been noticing what they've been watching on television. Or they're out at school with their friends and they see someone else being, you know, the popular boy in class or the popular girl in class and that's what they're doing so that's what I'm going to do because I want to be popular as well so, you know we can see what we do as adults really in, in a bigger scale our, our children can actually actually bring, give us those warnings and we need to, as parents we then need to, to sort of look at those and deal with those issues. And that's what God wants to do with us. Okay? So, key thing to, to imitate, you have to know that person. Right? And as we imitate God, we grow in godliness. Right? So to mimic, a mimic will not just try and mimic someone's speech. Okay? They will try and mimic their actions. Right? If you see uh, on television, you know, various mimics, they have, they have the just hand gestures, the, you know, the mouth movements, the eye movements, whatever. They mimic their actions, their behaviours and their mannerisms. So in getting close to God. We want to echo his speech in what we, spe- what we say. How do we go about what we do to echo God's actions? 
We want to feel as God feels. And that, that has really sort of spoken to me. The compassion that Jesus had when he went round and he saw people and he yeah. acted out of compassion. That can be... I think it can be a heavy burden to, cut, to take. <coughs> but you've got to realise that you're not taking it. You're not taking that burden. All you're doing is walking with Jesus. You're allowing that feeling, the compassion that Jesus has, to feel it, but Christ is carrying it with you as you walk with him. And as we get close to Jesus, we mimic him. So we approach, you know, as near as we can do walking with Christ and God's glory that's on Jesus is then evident to others so we're walking in, in God's light in Christ's light but that light's able to go ahead of us sometimes we walk in God's light because we want to walk but we've got these little barriers up we've got filters you know because as we want to we want to express it but we're a bit frightened yes so we see someone and we're, we're not quite sure yeah they are they, they do look a bit needy but it could be a bit dangerous as well you know and we have these filters so we don't allow the light to go further we in fact we're trying to keep the light to ourselves and if we do that it's like starving a light of oxygen it will burn for a while but as the oxygen diminishes the light is snuffled out so Ephesians 5 1 to 2 says follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Right. So how do we get to that level of intimacy? That intimacy enable to, to enable us to mimic, to f- follow Christ. Well, the easiest thing to say, and sometimes, in some respects, knowing from my own experiences, you know, it's something that seems easy, but do, do we do it all the time? I'll put my hands up, I don't do it all the time. Get into God's Word regularly. How do we know, you know, if we're not reading God's Word, how do we know Him? How are we allowing Him to speak to us? And then, when he speaks to us, choose to actually do what his word says. Yeah? Alright, Jesus did that. That was great. It's wonderful. You know, but obviously that was in those days. Um, You know, I'll wait to see what that applies in my situation. Yeah? Do we do that?
Intimacy comes by living your life the way Jesus lived his. And how did he live his? He lived his, his life as a servant. He came as God on earth. We all know this. He came as God on earth. He could have just sat there and sort of said, look, I'm, I'm God made man, you know, just worship me, you know. Disciples could have been there to do all his daily needs for him. No. He came as a servant to all. He served his disciples. And the time when he's going to the cross, yeah, he, before, just before he washes the disciples' feet. We heard about that last week, yeah? <coughs> So, there are a lot of things. I don't know. Just sort of going through this. I think we'll leave them. <laughs> um, so, you know, following Christ, there is that. If we turn to. Is it. Is it in Mark 10? Come on. Mark 10, verse 17 onwards. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. 
Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. It's one of those times when Peter, you have to love Peter, you know, his boldness. What about us? How can we, you know, we've, we've given up all of this for you. You've told him that he can't come in. Um, and, you know, you know, Jesus then sort of knows their heart, knows that they have given up all of this, and basically says, look, you have given up all of this, but your treasures in heaven will be so much more. You won't be able, I mean, say they, the market says 100 times more, other places it says 10,000 times more. It's basically whatever you have given up will feel insignificant to what you, what, you, what you will receive when you come into the kingdom of God. Right? But it's interesting in Mark uh, in Mark's gospel that he also puts along with persecutions. Obviously, Mark's was written probably I don't know was that was written after some of the apostles had been persecuted. So it realizes that you know we have material things. But actually, what's the biggest material thing we have but our body? And that too, God is saying, you have to give everything. Now there are, there are people, as we've seen in Albania, uh, from the story in Albania, who've had to give that in, you know, as their walk with God. You know, we don't necessarily see that in the society we have in England. We're not called, we're not persecuted in that respect. And yet we still are reluctant to stand up at times and say, no, that's against what I believe. Because we... We don't, we don't know what's going to happen. How will our boss take it if I say, I'm sorry I can't do that because that's against what I believe? If you're asked to sort of maybe write a report and say that something's happened when it hasn't happened, you know, how's that going to affect our progression? Those are, those, that's, you know, standing up for Christ, sometimes the persecutions that we feel, you know, are, are minor. But to, our, to us, they're, they're huge. Because we live in a society where success and, 
achieving is so important our child our children are told at a very early age you've got to pass this you've got to get out do this hurdle we're compa- you know mothers are this. i'll say oh my my child wor- walked at you know a year oh mine walked at 11 months you know <laughs> yeah we like to know you know it's sort of almost inbred in us you know that the success of things you know i i i have the i have the pleasure of teaching at a very good school however the parental pressure on the they put on some of their children and on the teachers actually <laughs> when they say i pay nearly eleven thousand pounds a year they of course they're going to get a's you know you're telling me they're going to get a c I don't pay for them to get a C. You know, it's, but it's all to do with we we want success. So some parents will pay to get their children to try and do the best that they can. So success, success, success. And sometimes, how do you just take a step back and say, what is success? It's so temporal. It's so fleeting. I mean, I've seen pupils who have been, you know, brilliant minds, and they they then come down with an illness, you know, and they get over the illness, but they will never get back that keenness of mind because of the treatments they've gone through and everything like that and it's really frustrating to see some parents then sort of say but why don't the exam boards take into account that if they didn't have that they would have been an A-star pupil and you're sort of saying look their exams aren't that important your child has their health back. But it's those sorts of things that we, you know, as Christians, we can't afford to fit it, slip into those traps. We have to love the person in front of us for who they are, regardless of whom they are. So we, yes, we want our children to be more successful than we are. That's, that's, a parent's dream is for, for your child to grow up in securely in God's love and everything. But we still want them to achieve the dream. Yeah? So, you know, just take a step back and see our life needs to be dictated by our walk with God. And as we walk with God, as we take a step, steps by faith, and we have our children with us, right? We might be making steps that that will impinge on our children. We mustn't do that without due care and really consider, obviously, Christ won't want it. you know there are, there are times when people have thought God's told me to go out to Africa 
a you know, to go out to Africa as a missionary. But we'll leave my family at home, uh, back at home, and they go off together, leaving behind children who feel rejected. And they then don't grow up in the love of the Lord because they can't see it. Because if their father can't love them, how do they... The father has told them that God loves them, but if their father won't love them, how can they believe that God loves them? We have, you know... So, yes... We've got when we hear when we think we hear God, we have to be very com- We have to think about what we've been asked to do. Yes, we might be called to missionary. Does that mean to say that it has to be in Africa, South America, India, China, wherever? It might be next door neighbour. Yeah. And sometimes, actually, do we neglect our... We're so so sort of bubbled in our nice little house, our castle. You know, we put the moats up. And do we actually think about our neighbours? Because that's what we're called to be. We need to be light to our neighbours. And I'm, I'm just, well, I'm speaking this. Please remember, I'm speaking to myself as well. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not perfect. The title was You Follow Me, but it isn't me. You Follow Christ. I hope that's something spoken to you today. Okay.